we had some very important meetings of the Assembly of First Nations in Vancouver this week with some very controversial uh, resolutions being passed, uh, some infighting going on, some rather dramatic resolutions. And at the end of the day, the Assembly of First Nations will undergo a financial review as requested by Roseanne Archibald, who had been, well, there was an attempt to ouster her. Uh, She survived that attempt and indeed was able to not only survive the attempt to throw her out, but also to impress upon the assembly the need for an audit. And here to talk about the meetings and what the financial review might produce and who in Ottawa might be best positioned in the future to deal with improving the lot of First Nations in Canada is our next guest who is joining us from Edmonton. Melissa Mbarki is a First Nations policy analyst at the Macdonald laurier Institute and has written an article suggesting Pierre Polyev might be that best candidate of the future to deal with Indigenous Canadians' matters. Melissa, joining us from Edmonton today, good morning and welcome to our show. Thanks for inviting me, and good morning to you as well. Well, it's great to have you with us, Melissa. Now, let's, before you get to the, the, the article you wrote in the, the post-media papers of the nation a few days ago, uh, endorsing Mr. Poiliev, let's talk first of all, though, about the outcome of the AFN meetings here in Vancouver and the need for transparency, which is why you, you're able to connect that with the Poiliev campaign. But let's talk about the meetings here in Vancouver first. What was your takeaway after it was all over? I'm really happy that the Chiefs decided to vote um, for transparency. You know, this was kind of how it all got started. And I 100% don't agree with giving four staff or four regional managers, you know, a total of $1 million um, when that money could be used for something like clean water. And, you know, reserves are suffering right now, and we need to focus on the people and what the needs are at this point. Melissa, when uh, Justin Trudeau assumed power following the Harper government, he cancelled an order, uh, uh, an act created by and brought into legislation by the Harper government, and I don't recall the name or the number of the bill, but the content was essentially this. If you're receiving taxpayer dollars from the people of Canada, they have a right to know how those taxpayer dollars are spent on your reserves. When Mr. Trudeau came to power, he cancelled that, saying it was humiliating for First Nations residents to have to be accountable. What did you make of that? What we're seeing in our communities today is question, like what we're having are a lot of questions in terms of where this money is going. So it's not just the federal government at one point that wanted transparency. It's also the people on the reserve. No who kidding. Transparency. Yeah. And, and if you go onto Facebook, anybody can go onto Facebook. There are so many groups out there that are questioning how their leaders are spending money. And they're questioning, you know, why is this going to their salary versus people in the community? So we want this just as much as the federal government did prior to 2015. And it really makes me question why Trudeau canceled this in the first place. You know, we were going down a road of, you know, making everyone accountable. And all of a sudden that was kiboshed. So it leaves way more questions. And, you know, it it has people digging in all directions when it's so easy to produce a 
annual report right. of how your expenditures were, what you did with your expenditures for that year. And the, the, the sentiment, or at least some of the sentiments rolling around in the aisles outside the convention center here in Vancouver at the AFN meetings were that the people who were least favorable about being transparent about where all that money goes were the people most behind trying to throw out Roseanne Archibald, who was insisting on transparency. That's exactly true. You know, we didn't quite get the entire picture until this meeting happened. Like, we didn't know who, we didn't know why. But after the general, after they went through their AGM, you know, it became clear where the bottlenecks were. And we need to address that now. You know, we need to look at why they're trying to um, not be you know, forthcoming with expenses. Like, we need to know these answers because we're not, you know, we're not going to change anything until, you know, we see change from above. And it starts at the top and then it trickles down and we want to see that change happen. Yeah, and Melissa, at the same time, though, as all of this infighting is going on and there's this uh, hard, hardcore group that, that wants uh, Archibald out, they don't want any in, in intrusive uh, poking around the numbers. They, they're, they're their numbers and leave us alone. At the same time as this infighting is going on, there's a youth delegation that addresses the assembly and says, look, can we get over this? Can we set the egos and the transparency issues? Can we just resolve this? Because look at what's going on on the country's reserves right now. We have among the world's highest suicide rates, especially for reserves up north. You grew up on a, on a reserve, Melissa. You know what these kids are talking about. What, did you, what was your reaction to their uh, intervention, if you will, at the convention yesterday? It was very touching to hear them speak. And, you know, they're speaking... from experience and they're also speaking about experiences that I've gone through and they are 100% correct in the suicide rates in the child and family incarceration rates Mm -hmm. violence you know like they touched on issues that we all grew up with and these are issues that AFN is not focused on you know this should be at the top of their priority list and it's not and I just don't understand how an organization like this, you know, could have gone for so long without being questioned or without saying, okay, you exist. Why are there still boil water advisors? Sure. Yep. Why are there still, you know, high suicide rates? Like, what are you doing? What exactly are you lobbying for? And I've always been critical of them because I, you know, I sometimes don't know why they're there. You know, why not give that authority back to the tribal councils who work with the provinces? You know, this would make more sense. But, you know, there needs to be some regroup that needs to happen in order for it to work for First Nations in Canada. Indeed. Now, let's talk about the other thing that you came to our attention by this week, an article you wrote in the nation's newspapers, basically saying Indigenous Canadians need a federal leader like Pierre Polyev. So what is it about Mr. Polyev that uh, you find particularly attractive as a First Nations Canadian? What's different about Pierre from other candidates or other politicians? He's not afraid to question things. You know, if we look at the wheat parity and we look at, you know, the way he questioned and, you know, held the government accountable for a huge amount of money that went to them. And, you know, it was it he stayed on 
point the entire time. He didn't waver from it. And this is something that we need in Indigenous communities. You know, we need to start asking those hard questions of why we don't have clean water. Where's the red tape? Mm -hmm. How can we remove it? How can we move forward? And how can we get to zero water advisories? Is it possible? You know, nobody is asking these questions. And we need somebody who has his, you know, he's very headstrong and he pushes forward on things that he's passionate about. And hopefully, you know, Indigenous issues can be on his radar so we can actually see progress. And speaking of progress, Melissa, and I have to let you go after this, but I'm, I'm delighted you're able to join us this morning to bring this perspective to the conversation. How, uh, in, in terms of progress, are you expecting the AFN to go forward with this forensic audit and eventually come forward with their findings? And, and, and do you expect that to be as rapid as possible, or are they going to play a dance around the bush for as long as they can? I think they'll go through with the audit. You know, I don't know if they'll go as far back as 10 years, the way Roseanne wants, but I definitely think we'll get answers in the more current, um, like I would say, in the last three or so years. Okay. Um, the thing I'm questioning, though, um, you know, is she, like, Terry Bellegarde was in this position prior to her. So is she questioning the doings that he has done previously? Like, is that kind of the road that we're going on? Um, you know, did we see him do things that were um, questionable along the way? Because she was a chief before in Ontario, so she would have had inner workings with him. Mm. Um, so I, I think we're going to get answers for the more current years, like maybe in the last two or three as far as 10 years, I think that's going to drag on. Right. Well, at least it least to be a good start, and we'll start peeling back some of the layers and get a real a fix on what's going on. Uh, that is uh, so, uh, there's so much struggle being kept or uh, being made these days uh, to, see, to have us not see that, that it makes us even more curious, don't you think? Definitely does. It she raised a lot of questions. I mean, a lot of people on the grassroots level are now listening and following this. So they're going to have to follow through, whether they want to or not, because we're watching them. Indeed. There's the old Shakespeare line, methinks thou dost protest too much. <laughs> Always a clue. <laughs> Melissa Embarkey in Edmonton, thanks very much for this. Great to have you on our program. I look forward to an opportunity to speak to you again. And I look forward to coming back on. Have yourself a wonderful day. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.